Welcome to the Bread of Life. I'm Joel Van Hoogen, the Director of Church Partnership Evangelism and the Bible Teacher at the Bread of Life in Boise, Idaho. To learn more about our work to make Christ known among the nations, go to traincpe.org or to discover more about this radio ministry and our fellowship in Boise, go to breadoflifeboise.org. From Matthew 25, we consider the last words of Jesus' Olivet Discourse. In his teaching, Christ has taken his disciples on a journey in time from the crisis that will soon strike Israel and the destruction of the temple all the way through the Great Tribulation and finally to the moment in which Jesus as king will judge the nations before he sets up his earthly kingdom. And we are along for that ride. Jesus wants us, along with them, to see our lives before those moments and to ask ourselves, will we be faithful? But he's allowing for a moment Peter and James and John to be in the moment into which Jerusalem is destroyed, in which it's overrun by the general Titus, and which the walls of the temple are brought down in 70 AD. And just so you know, Peter and James and John, are, well, John isn't, but Peter and James are, are martyred by that time. They're not alive to see those things. And John is not in Jerusalem at that time to see it as well. But he says, when you see these things, when you see these things. And then he gives a portrait of all the trials of wars and rumors of wars and the increase of earthquakes that will come upon them and all the persecutions that will take place in the life of the church age. And again, he says, when you see these things, he allows them to run through all that history and identify themselves in that moment. And he, he brings them into the great tribulation and all the vast horrific suffering of the great tribulation. And he basically says, when you hear these things, he allows them to be in that moment and then he tells parables, warning them to be prepared for his coming when he comes to judge at the very end of the Olivet Discourse. And each one of those parables is a message to those in the church that they be ready and on guard for the return of Jesus Christ. They're not to be ready or on guard or waiting, simply looking at the skies. They're to be looking at their own lives to see that their lives are a reflection of those who earnestly love him and seek him and want to obey him. And so he tells them three separate parables. And after the second parable, he says that they're to take heed. He says, you be on guard for these things. And he allows Peter, James, and John to see him pointing his finger at them. You be on guard. You prepare yourself for this moment of judgment. He's saying that to us as well. Watch, therefore, he says, for you know not neither the day or the hour when the Son of Man is coming. He's putting his listeners, he's putting us into the moment of his return in the moment of the hour of judgment that he is describing to them and that we're reading about and considering this morning. They have to be ready to meet the hour of judgment. And this is what Christ says will identify to him his sheep. This is what he'll look for to see whether your sheep that will go into the kingdom with him. Let's remember those last three parables that we covered very quickly. It's the parable of the house servant who cares and gives loving care to the family of the owner of the house. It's the parable of the bridesmaids who lovingly and enduringly look for the coming of the bridegroom. They're just not along for the social convention. They're just not a part of the crowd and the event, but they're looking for the bridegroom himself and waiting for him. And as a result, they've got true oil and fire in their lamps, kindled and burning and enduring until he returns. There's the parable of the servants who are given a great endowment of riches and they take what is given to them and they invest it in the work and the labor and the business of their master. And when there is fruit from their investments, they say, Master, you did all, all this for us. You gave us all this riches and, and look what's been multiplied. They hardly believe what's been accomplished 
out of their faithfulness to their master and their king. And last week we said the business of the Christian is to proclaim the gospel, is to seek lost souls, is to build up believers in the faith in Jesus Christ. It's, it's expressed not simply as spiritual activity, but it is expressed in our prayers and in our words and our activity and our willingness to minister to one another. And now it's precisely these things that are described as being judged as a way in which the king will identify who are a sheep and who are just goats that have made their way into his flock. They care for his family. Their care for the family is expressed because they care for Christ himself. (laughs) They love the children because they love him. They also love the bridegroom and they long that the message and the glory and the promise of the bridegroom might be known by more and more and so they take themselves up to labor for the sake of the gospel. And just so you know, giving yourself to God's family, giving yourself for the king and love for him, letting your life heart be committed to his devotion and your longing and waiting for him in an age that's not looking to him at all and giving yourself for the message, the glorious message of the gospel of your king to be broadcast to others will result in you suffering. It will result in you suffering. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Here Paul is explaining the suffering that takes place when you care for God's people and you care for the king and you care for the savior and you care to take forward his message wherever he sends you. He describes it from his own experiences. He says of his own life, carrying forth those ministries that he was in labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often, in weariness and toil and sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. And besides the other things that come upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches was pressing it upon him. Who's not weak and I'm not weak? Who's not made to stumble and I don't burn with indignation? Again, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul again speaks of the impact of the labors for the sake of the gospel that he's experiencing as he seeks to serve him and serve God's family and also set the gospel forward to others. He writes, we are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. We are struck down, but not destroyed. Always caring about in our bodies the dying of our Lord Jesus, that the life of our Jesus may be made manifest through our bodies. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. Suffering. Paul knew that what he did for the body of Christ, he did for the head. He did for Christ. He knew it and he learned it in a negative fashion. You remember he was going to persecute the church in Damascus. He was going to go to imprison the Christians. And on the way a bright light shone upon him. And the Lord Jesus spoke to him out of the heavens. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He knew it. What is done against the people of God and his faithful servants is done against Christ. What is done for them, for those who labor for his sake, is done for Christ. What is done to them, for the sake of Christ, is done to Christ. Go back to the passage now and read it. Matthew 25, verse 34. Jesus says, Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. 
Think of all those who've given their lives to serve the gospel. Think of Paul's suffering and laboring and willing to stand out in the cold against the forces of the Roman world and against the themes of his age in order to proclaim an age that's coming and a Savior who's conquered and all the challenges that brought him and the hardships that brought upon him. For I was hungry and you gave me food. And I was thirsty and you gave me drink. Remember that when the Lord Jesus sent out the 70 and when he sent out the 12, he told them to stop with the people of peace that would receive them and remain with them. Let them care for them and provide for them. Don't worry for your provision. I'll raise up those who will provide for them. Remember that because it speaks to us here in this passage. I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. It was a dangerous thing to stand with those we're standing for the truth. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, say, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you and thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and take you in and naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? The king will answer them, assuredly, I say to you, as much as you did it for the least of my brethren, you did it for me. Notice something here, folks. The true sheep are not attempting to gain their salvation by doing good deeds. They're not even aware that they were ministering to Christ in what they did. They were only living out the change that he had brought to them when they believed in him and were saved. They didn't care for God's house and God's people in order to be saved. They didn't give themselves to the business of the Savior and suffer in the process of taking the gospel to the ends of the earth in order to be saved. They did it all because they had been saved. They were saved. <laughs> when did we do these things, Lord? They were just doing what came to them naturally because their natures had been changed. They did it because they couldn't help but love the Lord Jesus. The goats, on the other hand, had no care for God's family, no care for his flock, only to the extent that they could gain something for themselves. No care for Christ other than the sense that it gave them some sense of significance in the moment. No great love for him, no engaging the sufferings of ministry for the sake of the gospel and for the king. The difference between the two groups what divide the flock in the end, one group truly loved the Lord Jesus and the others didn't. And that's the lesson in all. Love Him. Find your love for Him expressed in your care for His people. Find your love for Him expressed in loving what He loves. Committing yourself to the business that He so longly wants to bring to the world, His gospel, His truth, His promise. Seeking those who are lost, serving as he served, always having your eyes on him, always lovingly, longingly looking for him. The king is coming, and he knows who it is that truly loves him, for they love him in this way. Another interesting thing about this passage, again, is context. And the context of all this application of being willing to suffer in ministry and willing to suffer as you minister to those who are ministering and to care for the body and to care for Christ in the midst of the body and care for it through the body, the movement of the gospel, the ends of the earth, the context is a world in tumult. It's the temple being destroyed in 70 AD. It's the treading of the Roman armies across the land of Judea. It's the banishment of the people of Israel from their homeland. It's the dispersion of the church to the ends of the earth. It's the rumors of wars and of earthquakes. And it's the coming trials of the great tribulation. Battles and strife all around. What are we to do? 
You're to be my sheep. In the midst of all this conflict, you're to be my sheep. You're to serve my people. You're to love me. You're to send forth my gospel to the ends of the earth. That's what's sounding forth. In all that tumult and all that turmoil, Jesus brings us down to this. There will be suffering, but I will conquer. And in my conquest, I will bring all those willing to suffer with me into my kingdom. These are my true ones. These are the ones that I'll find. How do you apply that? How do you respond to that? We must be attentive to the desires of our king, attentive to his people, attentive to his presence, attentive to the sounding forth of his gospel to the lost. How we join in that work, I can't fully say. In some places, it may require a Ukrainian to take up arms and go out and fight side by side with his neighbor for his homeland and for his nation and for his country. I can't tell you what it means always. But I can tell you what underlies the actions. It's a love for God and the people of God. A longing to care for his household. It's a love for Jesus and his glory and his honor. It's a desire that his gospel might go forward further and further into the age in which he lived. Well, thank you for listening to the Ministry of the Bread of Life. To learn more about our ministry, let me suggest you go to one of two websites. Go to traincpe.org to learn more about the work we're doing all over the world to equip and engage the body of Christ in personal evangelism, discipleship, and church planting. Or to learn about our work in your community, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, God bless you.